welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Richard Gottlieber. And I'm Brad Garropy. And this week, we're going to be diving into Richard's past, understanding how he was brought up and how he came to be software engineer that he is today. But before we get started, remember that we have a form that you can fill out to ask us questions that we'll answer live on air. You can find that form in the notes below. Richard, I actually am really excited to hear about your background and how you got into software engineering because I feel like you have a different path to web development than a lot of people do and a very varied background. So let's just start it off as early as you want to go. Uh, start from the beginning. So back in the olden days, I used chisel and stone to make pictures of spiders. And that was my first job in web development. No, actually, I'm not, I'm not that Did you old. make a, a web huh. crawler? <laughs> it's funny because I really liked Spider-Man as a child. No, I guess it all kind of started with the fact that my dad is a college professor and he teaches in the realm of computer science and computer science adjacent courses. So I'm one of those nerdy kids who in the summer of seventh grade attended my first college class. And I started there doing Unix programming, basically like shell scripting, all that stuff. Like, I guess the path towards a Unix sysadmin type role, as far as that class goes. I also, the next summer took a Photoshop class at the college. So just kind of like, you know, varied introduction to computery stuff. And from there, like, I don't know, I was always the kid who <laughs> I had a Palm Pilot with a keyboard in seventh grade on where I would take notes in class. I was that kid. So, you know, like technology was always like near and dear to me. And I was the super nerdy geeky kid with always having the tech toys. So like, that's kind of how, how it all started. That's insane. Like that's such an early age to go that deep into that stuff. I, I want to like even roll it back farther. Like, so you were in seventh grade and you were already interested in you know, th this programming and sysadmin type stuff, what, what started that interest or, or did your dad kind of bring that up in you? You know, what got you thinking about it in the first place? I think it was always there. Like I was always around it because of my dad, but I don't know, thinking back to like early, I can remember the, f the first thing I remember about computers is the Macintoshes in the classroom where we would play Oregon Trail. And I died of dysentery a lot. And sometimes I floated the river uh, and overhunted. But like that was the start of it. And then there were a few things there that like I remember I got banned from using the computers in fifth grade because I showed another kid how to lock a floppy disk. And that befuddled the teacher. And she was not very happy with the fact that I showed him how to do that. And he, he very like efficiently went through and locked every single floppy disk in the little uh, container. And so the next day, nobody could save any work because they were now read only. And so like, I don't know, like I've always been around computers and interested in computers. And I think that approaching it from kind of like a Unix operating system, how things work path, you know, you get introduced to the command line and you start to live there. And like me and VI are tight. So if you're an Emacs fan, I'm sorry, but it's garbage and you are wrong. Um, I it, drama. It's fine. I have a friend who likes Emacs and like, you know, sometimes I don't talk to him. 
So, you know, like these days it's all VS code, so it's fine. But when did you get your first computer? Like when was your first computer in the, in household? the household, man? That was, whew. I can't remember not having one. I'll put it that way. Like we were always the family on the block that was like the early adopter of technology. I remember when cable modems came out and like Verizon was out. I remember they had an event at the, the library advertising. I think it was, was it called Fios at the time? I don't think it was called Fios. It was something else, but their cable modems because they were so fast. And like, you know, we always were kind of on the cutting edge technology wise. Like I'm super lucky to have grown up in that environment, right? Like it was always just there. So I don't know, computers, computers were always around to the point of web development in the mid to late nineties, my dad actually wrote a couple textbooks about HTML and CSS. Um, they're super antiquated now, but you know, cause like welcome to technology, but they, I don't know, like that kind of space was always just around. And I guess like, I, you know, very fortunate to have grown up there in that kind of just normalization of programming and web development and all things tech. That's absolutely insane that, that you kind of always were around that stuff. You know, I know it was such a big event in my family when we brought that first computer home. And so I was a, a late bloomer when compared to yeah. you. I do remember getting the first laptop and my dad actually got a briefcase that had like foam cut out to like hold the laptop so he could travel with it because, you know, laptop bags, <laughs> those didn't exist. It was a, uh, it was a neck. And then there was an external floppy drive that you could plug into it. And like, it was, I don't know, it was a beast. And like, you turn it on, like you could hear like the hard drive, like, you know, as it was like spinning up and stuff, it was, it was insane. Um, but yeah, I think he got that from one of the publishers for the book that he was writing. So it was, it was interesting times. So you're in seventh grade, you're attending some kind of college class. Are you physically going to campus yep. at the time? I was. And, uh, how did you do? So this is one of those things. If you have a parent who's a teacher and you've ever had them as your teacher from the outside looking in, people might think, oh, that's going to be super easy, you know, cause like those give you a good grade. Oftentimes it's not easy and you get more scrutiny than the average student, but I did very well in the class and wait, were you, were you taking your dad's the courses? class was actually his course. What's crazy <laughs> is we at that time we're logging into the Unix computer at the, we actually had a deal. Uh, he had talked to somebody who worked at the superconducting super collider that they were building in Texas. And that's where one of the computers was that we were using like the server to log into. Fun fact on Unix, there's a command called wall. It stands for write to all, and it sends a message to every terminal that's logged into that computer. Well, Fun thing about the network that the computer was on that we were using at the time is that it was hooked up to like a U.S. department of something. And one of the students did that in the class and it sent a message to the entire network, not just that one computer. <laughs> so my dad actually in that class got a email from some department in the United States talking about the cost that this had cost the United States government based on the number of people who had seen this message and spent time reading it. And like, it, it was just, I don't know, it was insane. <laughs> different times, man, different times. Yeah. 
definitely scrutinizing the value of people's time a little bit yeah. though but yeah that's like such a student yeah. thing to do i don't know but yeah i definitely it was good i learned a ton um i actually had email correspondence with dennis ritchie one of the founders like you know founding fathers of the unix operating system because there was a there's the problem that my dad would bring up in that course where there's no elegant solution and i was like you know there has to be a better way to do this and so i actually emailed the guy who wrote the operating system and he responded back to me it's amazing but yeah i don't know like it's just how it started i guess with learning unix and just kind of getting into that whole world yeah so it sounds like not only were you kind of blessed to have you know the the great teacher in your father technology in the house but you know based on you sending that email you're definitely a self-starter you know you're inquisitive you go look for answers uh so you're you're taking these college courses you're still young how did high school go high school was all right i mean i wasn't the biggest fan i graduated early tried to get out of there as quick as i could i don't know i kind of had the stereotypical not popular kid just kind of kept my head down high school played a little bit of jv tennis but not much else you know high school wasn't definitely not my jam so were you like kind of growing it all in, in terms of development over those years or you're just getting done with your school? Mostly score? just getting done. I, I don't know. Looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Think about like all the wasted yeah. potential time that I had, you know, and squandered all this free time and extra time. But I don't know, just always messing around with stuff, but never really producing anything, I guess, right? Like I was definitely a tinkerer. Um, I spent a lot of time in like the sysadmin area looking at security stuff, went to the DEF CON conference once, which was both amazing and terrifying at the same time. I don't know if you're not familiar, that's like a hacker conference in Las Vegas. If you ever go there, do not take any device with you that has anything other than what you're doing at the conference on it and then throw it away afterwards because that place is like a wonderland for people who do that kind of stuff, but it is like terrifying from the aspect of, man, everything is insecure. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. My background is, it's pretty varied. I don't know. I've always been involved in something tech related, but definitely not in the development space directly. Sure. And you know, I, although I will say, I think that's the most important piece to becoming a developer, just being around technology in the first place and being curious. Um, and you're right. It's, it's that applying those skills that we all wish that we did. And, and I think this is a lesson to the listeners, right? If you're, if you're out there and you're just tinkering with stuff, just publish what you're doing, put it on GitHub, put it on Netlify, release it to NPM, because at least even if nobody uses it, you're building a kind of repertoire of things that you can stake your name to, or say that I did and tried. And, you know, if those live in public, other people are, are going to say, Hey, Richard is credible because he released these things, even if they weren't even like, you know, productionalized or yeah. anything like Looking that. Looking back, it's definitely an area that I wish I had at a earlier time frame gotten more involved in like the open source community. Over time, I yeah. built a lot of tools for myself to make my life easier. If I had shared those out to the wider community, you know, not only does it just make the ecosystem better, but it also like builds that credibility, all that stuff. So definitely like looking back, that's something that if I could say something to pass me, it would be, hey, do this and buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> like, you know, hindsight. Okay, so now we're transitioning into college. Uh, what'd you pick as your major? Where'd you go? <laughs> I 
I went to several different colleges. I ended up graduating with a business computer information systems degree. So it was kind of like half business degree, half computer science degree. Really kind of prepared me just to go into like a large company and do programming there. But without a lot of the hard math of a traditional comp sci degree. So from there, I ended up actually working full-time while I was still in college. And so college took me a lot longer than normal because I transitioned into like full-time employment because I had the skill set that I needed instead of just staying in college full-time and finishing and then getting a job. Probably really benefited me just time-wise. Like if I had stayed in college, I probably would have come out into like the 2008 crash and that would have sucked. I was really glad to have a job, even though I remember there was a day where they came and they said, Hey, you're getting a 10% salary cut, but you get to keep your job. And while that really sucked, it was way better than not having a job. So yeah, yeah, I don't know, like timing wise, it, it worked out, even though it was kind of like a non-traditional route through, <laughs> through everything. Yeah. But you know, you said you graduated high school early, right? So you, uh, even if your college was offset a little bit, then you finished right <laughs> on time. And if I recall correctly, I think even West Boss has that like BCIS degree, uh, where it was like half business, ha half programming. And you know, what's kind of interesting is it didn't really launch you into a space where you were trying to make your own business. Was it, was it focused on stuff like that entrepreneurial things or was it kind of big company focused? It's maybe a little bit of both. And part of that is like, I don't know, I don't have that, uh, I'm not a risk taker. So, you know, going off and starting my own company, like, whoosh, that's a lot of risk. Like there's a lot of times I think it'd be awesome, yeah. but then again, I'm, I don't know. I like the, the comfort of knowing that like I have steady paychecks coming in. So that's definitely just one of my personality traits. So I'm not a huge fan of, of that risk. And so in this degree, was there much about like web development specifically, or was this kind of backend systems and, and database management? It was things a like lot that. of backend systems. And actually, so I've worked at several different places. One of the ones that I worked at the longest was Fidelity Investments. And where I went to college, I actually had a deal with Fidelity to make COBOL part of the like CompSci and BCIS track. So I had two courses of COBOL and that language, I mean, it runs pretty much the entire financial infrastructure of America. So just be aware of that. Um, but it is, I don't know, definitely backend, definitely not web development, man. I don't think in my college classes at all that we did anything with web development. There was COBOL and Java, some database classes, and maybe Python. I don't think that there was Python, though. I think it was just Java and COBOL mostly. You know, a lot of times colleges get flack for having like a not relevant programming curriculum. How did you feel that your school did when you came out of it? It was all right. I, I think that the biggest thing I took away from it was just a stronger skill set for the problem solving that you need when you're doing something like this. And, you know, the actual specific languages, I don't know. I'm, I'm fairly language agnostic, right? Like I really think if you understand object oriented programming, you can bounce around from language to language. You will not be an expert, but you will be functional and you can contribute and be productive. The same thing goes for like functional programming languages. I do think there is a big uh, mind shift between those two. So 
kind of like understanding how both of those work. If you can understand one language of each given type fairly well, I think you're good. People who say, oh, I'm just a JavaScript developer and that's it. Or, you know, I'm just a C sharp developer. It's like, well, you have a skill set that you could very easily transfer to other languages and you're pigeonholing yourself is my opinion on it. Again, there is a certain level of like expertise where you know all the little like nuances of a language and the most efficient ways to do things. Yes, that skill set does not transfer over, but the, the broad general skill set, I like 100% think transfers over, you know, it's like saying like, you know, I am an expert with a Phillips screwdriver, but I can't do a flathead screwdriver. There's no way it's like, no, you got the skill set. Like I'm pretty sure you can handle it. Yeah. So I'm one of those people who pretty much stays in my comfort zone when it comes to languages until I need to go learn something else. I'm. I'm definitely bullish on learning new libraries and frameworks and technologies within a kind of space or language, but branching out into different languages really comes down to whether it be a career shift or a change in the industry that kind of forces me into new places. Uh, I've kind of done it once in my career, really moving from like Python and stuff over into JavaScript and web development. And I have a feeling another shift is coming as more things move back to server side. You know, maybe some Go comes into play or something. We can get you creating some Solidity code here pretty quick. Don't worry, Brad. Hey, so you're out of college. Um, did you find it tough to find your first job? And where was your first job? So I looked into it. I, I Again, my first job, I wasn't out of college, right? So that's the thing. I was in college. And stumbled upon a sysadmin job at Texas Instruments. And so, I don't know, we probably don't need to go through my entire resume, but I bounced around with a lot of like backend and system administration type roles. For a while at Fidelity, I worked in what would be currently probably called DevOps. You know, that wasn't really a thing back then, but I did a lot of like automation of code deployments and monitoring and alerting and stuff like that. That was really fun. I actually did some stuff there with uh, Python and Perl to automate PDF to DocuSign template generation. That was kind of a fun little thing that we did. It was back when like electronic signatures were like just coming on the scene. One of the big projects I worked on was rolling out iPad signing for transfer of assets at Fidelity. And I just remember there was a whole bunch of hubbub around electronic signatures versus wet signatures. That's what they call it when you use a pin is a wet signature. And so, you know, like that time it was, it was really cool to be kind of like at the forefront of like, you know, talking about rolling out, putting actual iPads in branches, getting all these documents signed electronically so they can do it faster and stuff like that. And then, you know, today it's like, oh, DocuSign, everybody knows DocuSign, right? Like you buy a house, DocuSign, you buy a car, DocuSign, new job, DocuSign. Like everybody knows about it, but they were just like a little startup back in the day when I first started working with them. And that was pretty cool. Spent some time at a web hosting company doing sysadmin work there as well. That was the 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift. That's right. That's overnight. That was terrible. I did that for a little bit over a year. Um, it wasn't supposed to be that long on that shift. And if anybody out there works the graveyard shift, man, I feel your pain. I don't know. I, I was basically a zombie the entire time. And I played way too much Xbox because when it's the middle of the night, there's not much else to do. Again, Wasted opportunities, right? Like, man, I could have had right. a side project going, but you know, I guess like when you're just tired all the time, you don't really think about stuff like that. You're like, I'm just going to get on the Xbox, play Call of Duty, so many hours of Call of Duty. So, you know, and then 
if you look at my resume, there's this really weird thing where I taught fifth grade for a year and I ended up going back to school, getting a master's degree in education and was going to be a teacher. And fifth grade was awesome. It's a lot of work, dude. Like teaching is, it's a lot of work, but it is super rewarding. I had some life issues that came up where a single teacher's salary in the United States does not a family support. And so back to technology, I went and went back into software engineering and yeah, I've been in the tech world ever since, I guess. When you were a teacher, do you think that that role helped prepare you to kind of be a, a better teammate, a better team player, a better coworker because you could kind of share your knowledge with other teammates? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that teaching did as far as like being a better member of a team is built in a lot of empathy, man. Cause like that and, and being a parent, those two things together, like once you start interacting with kids, you realize that, or at least I realize that people are kind of like a product of the environment they're in. And so like it builds a lot of empathy in that, I don't know, not to get too philosophical, but like it kind of instilled in me the idea that people are a product of their experiences and everybody starts out kind of on the same playing field and then given life ends up in different places. And so like that empathy kind of grew a lot then and through, you know, my son. And so I don't know that that's probably one of the biggest takeaways there that and just man, like, you know, in college, I waited tables. I think everybody should have some sort of service industry job. But also like teaching, it's, it just gives you a different perspective on the amount of junk that people have to deal with in these type of roles that if you haven't been there, like, man, teachers, whew, it's a rough job. Like parents get angry and whoo wee. Oh yeah. And, you know, looking back, even at my previous jobs, uh, when I was younger, I was probably a little shit in those roles. Uh, and I'm sure senior developers were like, who is this kid and why is he such a pain in the butt? And, and you're right. I think children really changed that for me because it teaches you patience. It teaches you to listen and to kind of give the benefit of the doubt, because if you can't give the benefit of the doubt, you're just going to be upset at every situation. So yeah, you've had like this very long and varied career history. And, and I think it's a good thing because, you know, experience definitely got you to where you are today. How's your current job? Yeah. So I guess backing up a little bit before my current position, after teaching, I did go back to, to Fidelity, back into tech. And then I got one of those LinkedIn emails where it was a recruiter from one of the big tech companies and it was Facebook reaching out. And that was like a whole different level, man. Like I prepped for interviews and it was ridiculous. I know a lot of podcasts, people talk about like the, the tech interviews at the big, I don't know how many it is now, whatever it is, Mang now, I don't know. There's a bunch of A's in there. And I don't know, the G is, should be an A2. Maybe it's mana. I don't know. Um, or just man. But <laughs> it, was, it was a different level. Like I remember spending like months prepping for the interview. And they flew me out. And I spent like a day after, this was like after like three interviews. You know, like you have a phone interview. And then you have like a phone programming interview. And then you have another phone interview. And then they fly you out for five interviews in one day. And, you know, you're whiteboarding. And you're talking through stuff. And all that. And it was, it was a really cool experience. And they didn't hire me. 
it has sucked to get rejected. Like I thought I did really well. So I actually ended up interviewing for a different position at Facebook and ended up getting that position. And so like, that was, I don't know, it's like big tech has a lot of political stuff. You know, people are very opinionated about it, but man, it's a completely different world. And you know, I've, I've worked at Facebook and things didn't go well with the team. I left for a little bit, came back and it's been, I don't know, it's been very interesting to work at a, such a big tech company. The internal tools, like, I don't know, on this podcast, I've talked about like the deployment tools and stuff. It just blows my freaking mind. Like the, the people who work at companies like this are just next level. Like not me, like the, you know, the people who work on like the development infrastructure and stuff, like they are just insane in the stuff that they come up with. So. I don't know. That's where we are now. Like, it's pretty interesting to be in that space. And so as far as web development goes, I don't know. I, I work on backend stuff there. I work on Haskell all day long. It is the antithesis of a web development framework. I'm sure, I think there's probably a web framework for Haskell. I'm sure there's like everything for Haskell, but nobody uses it and it's very weird. So I don't know. That's where we're at now. And I feel you on that Facebook interview process. I went through it myself and, and had the same first result that you had. I did not get the job, uh, but it was absolutely tiring. Like by the end of the day, you were a hundred percent spent. I remember just studying nonstop on the plane ride over there the night before getting in there. And my experience was like, seems like you're interviewing me for a different job than the one you kind of told me about. So. It was weird. It was much more of a generalist type interview. Uh, when you went through it, did you feel like there was a mismatch between the process and the position? So I think part of that is when it comes to engineers at large tech companies like this, they don't hire for a specific team or role. So it is definitely 100% just a general, like, you know, can you regurgitate algorithms and data structures and systems design? Like, have you studied the book enough it is what the interviews boil down to, in my opinion. I'm, I don't know. I have a very critical opinion of current big tech interviews. I think we touched on that a little bit on one of our previous episodes, but I, I a hundred percent agree that the skill set you need to be successful at an interview is maybe tangentially related to the skill set you need to be successful as an engineer at a company like this, but my opinion, they are two completely separate skill sets and being an engineer at a company like this is nowhere near the same as interviewing to be an engineer at a company like this. Yeah, for sure. But one thing is certain, the impact on your resume at the end of the day, I think is, is just fantastic, right? There's a reputation about Bang or Mang or Mana and, uh, it's. I think it's for a reason, because like you said, they've reached levels of advancements that other companies haven't had to do. And, you know, I'm seeing that even at Atlassian, where the, the product has been around for longer than the stuff that I was working on at Adobe and the internal tooling and infrastructure and deploy tools and just the way they do things has matured uh, in different ways. So you've worked at Facebook, you know, the, the big tech company like are you at the pinnacle of your career? Is this everything you ever dreamed of? I definitely think that it's working at some place where there is more potential for individual impact is something that like, I'd like to get back to. 
you know, when you work at a company that is as large as this, and even like Fidelity, right? Like you, you are a very small little piece of this gigantic machine and it's very hard to see your impact. Also, like one thing that's very weird about the current company I work for is we're in the news like 24 seven. People are very opinionated about the company. And if you tell them you work there, they will tell you their opinion about the company. That's really weird. You know, it's really strange to be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, flip open Apple news. Oh, look, there's the company in the news. I remember when I worked at Fidelity, it was like the, the chairman, like his thing was, we never want to be on the front page of the newspaper ever. If that happens, it's terrible. Basically it was like his stance. So that shift in like, you know, never being in the news versus always being in the news has been really weird. And I, I do think that I'd like to get back to someplace where, you know, like my individual contribution is more impactful. Yeah, I can see that. Like from both ends, when you're working at a big company, you have this desire to work at a smaller company and have a bigger impact. And then you work at a smaller company and then you think to yourself, man, it would be cool to work on something big and yeah. prominent. And it have you that know, stability of a big company, right? Tech. Like small companies. You yeah. wear a lot of hats, whereas at a, at a larger company, you get to kind of like hone in and focus in one specific area. So there's, there's definitely trade-offs, right? Like, yeah. and I'm sure there's some aspect of, uh, grass is greener syndrome. Well, Richard, thank you for sharing your origin story here, your background, because I learned a lot about you. You definitely approach programming in a very different way than I do and some other of the like new wave web developers do. And I think it's really cool to get the perspective on that. And I think it all, you know, is definitely rooted in your background. So appreciate you sharing it on this week's episode of Web Dev Weekly. And thank you all for tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe in your podcast player and check us out on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes. Remember, we have a Discord community that you can also join. That link is in the show notes as well. And be sure to ask questions. We're trying to grab a bunch of them so we can do like a Q&A episode. That link is in the notes. We'll see you all next week. Peace.